Good to be here. Man. Being in the Lord's house means more and more to me as my life progresses. I, I've always enjoyed going to the Lord's house since he saved me, but uh, in the state that we move into from time to time in our life physically, it means more. And I truly thank the Lord for being able to be here today. For scripture reading, uh, if you turn to Colossians chapter 3, We'll read the first four verses there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, that is the position of the believer, seek those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's a tremendous promise. We are coming to a close of our study on the assets of our heavenly bank account. We have looked at redemption, adoption, the seal of the Holy Spirit, acceptance, forgiveness, inheritance, wisdom. And this morning we're going to look at life. Life. This is the ninth, and uh, the Lord willing, next week we'll end this series that I have been extremely uh, blessed in preparing. I have learned so much, been reminded of so much of those things that God has done for me and for all of his people. So he says there in verse 3 and 4, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Ye are dead. That is, the old man died, and now we are in Christ as a new creature. So in Christ, the believer has a new life position. Those verses set that forth. Our eye now is heavenward. We don't dwell so much in our mind uh, on the things of this world. We have to take care of things from a day-to-day basis. We have a job to do. We have a home to provide for uh, and all those things. But we're not fixated on those things as if 
you know, nothing else matters. Our eyes heavenward now. We think about eternal things. Where Christ sits. And he sits there enthroned as king. At the right hand of God the Father. He sits enthroned because his work that provided salvation is done. So he's seated now. There's nothing more for him to do. He came to this earth. He gave his life for sinners. Unworthy. He was crucified. He was buried and rose the third day and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So now, salvation is done, but he's sitting there in an intercessory position. And his work is ongoing because our sins continue and we have to have forgiveness. And so God intercedes for us through Christ. I fail every day. The best I do would condemn me had not it been for Christ. When Christ returns for his people on that day, I believe it's soon and fast approaching and receives us into heaven where he is, then we'll have a more glorious life. Notice the fourth verse there in Colossians 3. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Just read First Thessalonians. It says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those who have died, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's when he comes down. He'll bring those uh, ascended saints. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, <clears throat> that is, on this earth, <clears throat> under the coming of the Lord, shall not precede them which are asleep. The word says prevent, but it means to precede them. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. When he comes back, the dead is going to raise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord, with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. So things may be good here now, even as uh, we are in Christ, but they're going to get a whole lot better when we go to heaven because we don't have this old flesh to always be dragging us down. As born again, we're no longer ignorant of God's will and of spiritual things. Before God saved us, that was not uh, uh, in our thoughts whatsoever. We didn't give any thought to the things of God.
Now we are, are not ignorant of God's will. And we try to please God and perform and do the things pleasing to his will. Those things of a spiritual matter. That's the life that we now live. The heart that was dark is now has light shed into it. Romans one twenty one. It's very important to read scripture. I think in our latter days we've got to the point where we refer to a scripture and don't read it. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness. We might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if we don't have the word of God always in our mind in this new life, And it's going, we're going to be displeasing to God. Romans 1.21 says, Because that when uh, they knew God, speaking of the lost, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. That was the state we were in as, as lost individuals. Professing themselves to be wise, we thought we didn't need the Lord. We're okay. I've got things under control. I can control my life. I can guide my destiny. I can uh, uh, do those things, work my way to heaven, so to speak, as some believe you can do. So their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like an incorruptible man birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. I won't read the rest of it, but you see our heart was darkened in the state of unbelief. You see, life in Christ, and that's our subjects this morning, which is the light of the world. Christ said, I am the light of the world. It is a life lost for Christ's sake. A life lost for Christ's sake. You remember the address of the Lord while he was on earth in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37 through 39. Let's go back to verse 33 of Matthew 10. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth me, son or daughter, more than me, is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. 
So a life as a believer in Christ is a life lost. That is the old nature for Christ's sakes. You may ask how Christ could, could, could ask such a question there in Matthew 10, 39. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. I answer that he had every right to ask that question, didn't he? He gave his life for the elect of God. For you and I, if you're saved this morning. Is he asking too much of us as believers to, to give our life for him in service? Even die if necessary? What does it mean to lose one's life for Christ? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we should all die for the gospel's sake. If we did that, who would preach the gospel? God didn't want us to go out and just die. Be a martyr. What's it mean to lose one's life for Christ? I wonder sometimes if I've lost my life for Christ as I should. It means to follow after Christ. I'll explain this more in just a moment. It means to deny self. It means to take up Christ's cross. Suffer, if necessary, the consequences of preaching Christ crucified. <clears throat> What's that mean? Well, don't be silent when someone says you must maintain good works to be saved. Somebody comes along and says it to you. What are you going to do? Just be silent? And so you don't want to cause an argument? I was getting my car service in, in a dealership one time and there was a guy there talking to another fella about the Lord. He didn't have any clue what he was talking about. And I couldn't keep out of the conversation. I, I interrupted and corrected him. Well, needless to say, he didn't take that very well. And the other guy thought I was an idiot as well. That's what it means to lose one's life for Christ's sake. I have to say I don't do that all the time. There are many times I've kept my mouth shut. And the Lord beat me up over it. God give us grace to be better at it. What's it mean to lose one's life for Christ's sake? Oh, they say you must be baptized to be saved. I've had that argument quite often, too. A relative of mine, through marriage, married a Camelite. I think I mentioned this the other day. We had more disagreements, to use a, a nicer word, with her over many years. She came with her Bible and all of her little verses that they have and tried to prove that salvation was by baptism. Finally, she just gave up because we, we knew that that was wrong and we were not going to give in to it. So it's good to lose our 
reputation. That's what it means to lose one's life for Christ's sake. Lose our reputation. I don't care what somebody thinks about me. I'm going to declare and I'm going to defend the gospel best I can. I don't do it very well. I'm really pitiful at it, to tell you the truth. I've always been a very backward person. I walked in high school like this with my head down. I was so bashful. And when I had to speak in an English class, I got up there and my pencil was shaking because I was so terrified to speak out in public. But when God saves you, He puts the gospel in your heart. And you will testify for the Lord if you know Him. You might think you've done a pitiful job, but if you've given the gospel, the Lord will honor it. Or, don't be silent when the mother of harlot churches, and you know who I'm talking about, says, uh, sin all you want, just be sure you ask the priest to forgive you. Now, they won't say that in too many words, but that's what it amounts to. You can just do whatever you want, but you can go to priest on Sunday, or whenever you go to Mass, and, and you can ask him to forgive you, and he'll forgive you. Well, to be silent when you have an opportunity to speak up against that, you're not losing your life for Christ's sake. You're giving in to the life of the world. Child of God walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, according to Romans 8.1. I'm going to say some things right now, and I don't, it's not a boast. Please understand this, because I'm going to use it to make a point. I had a pretty good life as a young man. Uh, I went into the military when I was 17, got my parents' consent. Uh, was stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi in, in the Morse Intercept classes. I was a Morse Intercept operator. That's code. I went overseas, spent three years in England, where I was based, went to other parts of Europe uh, and on several duties uh, such as that. I was able to walk on the French Riviera. I was able to see the Eiffel Tower. I was able to walk across the bridge of size in Venice from the from a palace to, where it goes to the dungeon and stand there in that big place where you see all the pigeons. I was able to uh, sit in a hotel room in 1963 and watch them build this, the, the ski ramp for the 1964 Winter Olympics in Innsbruck, Austria. I had a wonderful life. But I didn't know the Lord. And that life is not this life in Christ that I'm talking about. We're in a bus of sorts in one of our travels through Austria and the bus almost went over what we would call a cliff. By God's grace it didn't. I wasn't saved. 
Did the Lord cause that bus to stay on that road? Just until the time I would be saved? I believe he did, as I look back on that. And there are how many other close calls we may have had that we don't even know about? So we walk after the Spirit as a child of God. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, the law of the Spirit of life, that's what we're talking about this morning, that's our directive. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That is, that new life in Christ. In Christ we stand justified, and we are at peace. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Our life as elect was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, and before the worlds were formed. Ponder that for a while. God loved me before this world was ever born. What grace. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Matthew 25. Verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate the one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of of the world. This was so because God promised it to Christ whom he loved before the foundation of the world. Everything was in Christ, you see. In John chapter 17 and verse 24, Christ says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a, man, a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Our blessed light, life which awaits us as believers is not because we're more lovable. I don't get heaven because I was a, a, a lovable person. That don't get you there. Amen. There is nothing endearing in our nature that draws Christ to us. He didn't see anything in any of us. 
that caused him to say, oh, well, I will choose them because I see some goodness in their life. But what draws Christ to us, or God to us, is God's love for his son, Jesus Christ. And that love was before the foundation of the world. Of the world. And so the Father loved the people and they gave him to Christ. He gave them to Christ. In John 17. Beautiful, beautiful chapter. John 17. This chapter deals with Christ's prayer. Verse 10, or verse 6 of chapter 17. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. This is uh, the Lord speaking. He's prayed to his Father. He said, I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are thee. For I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. That is the elect of God. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. In ourselves we are vile and unworthy creatures. Don't ever think if you're here this morning and you're lost that there's something in you that's pleasing to God. We can be good citizens, good students, good workers in our jobs. But as far as our relation to God, we're vile and unworthy. I don't know if I have time to read all this. I'll, in Romans chapter 3. I'll try to read fast. Maybe I can get through. Romans 3 verse 9. What shall we say then? Are we better than they? This is Paul talking here about the Jew and the Gentile. Are we better than they? That he's, is, are we Jews better than Gentiles? No, no, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Jews and Gentiles, that, that encompasses the world. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. That's where we were. They are all going out of the way. They are together becoming prophet. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Mark that down, my friend. That's how God views you if you're lost. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ash is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I may have went to church. I may have uh, read the Bible. 
I may have did my Sunday school lessons, but I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, then I am not saved. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Being witnessed, uh, uh, no, flesh, no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, do all and upon all them that believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unregenerate man, men, women, boys, girls, are like the disobedient nation of Israel. What did the Lord say about disobedient Israel? There in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Laden with iniquity. That's weighed down with it. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are going away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Now here's the sinful man. From the sole of the foot, even on the head, that leaves nothing out. Over the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, nor they are bound up. They are mollified with ointment. Thank God for the angelic ministering saints that excel in strength to do the Lord's bidding for those who shall be heirs of salvation. You know that beautiful verse there in Hebrews? Chapter 1, verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time sit on my right hand? He's shown the superiority of, of the, the deity of Christ over even angels. But to which of the angels said he at any time sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits speaking of the angels sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Psalm 103 and verse 20. Oh, what a life we have as a believer in Christ. Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, all ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. The voice of his word. 
How was Paul's life spared? As he opposed the church and he's on his way to Damascus to hail some of those and bring them into prison and have them probably killed for their testimony of Christ. Why was it spared? To bring him to that very place, the road to Damascus, and strike him down, bring him to his knees, and reveal Christ to him. He struck him down, he was blind, he couldn't see. He was taken to a home. The Lord said he did that, that he might preach the gospel to others. He shows him out, didn't he? That's chapter 9, the latter part of that. Chapter 9, it says, uh, There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him uh, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul, Tarsus. Behold, he prayeth. Has seen in the vision a man named Ananias come in and put his hand upon him and he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered and said, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints of Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all the cattle in his name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. How well we know Abraham's life and Moses and Jacob's. But none of those lives were without sin, were they? We're talking about a life lost for Christ. The world views life different than those of faith. I've got about three minutes. I'll do the best I can. An unsaved person may read Hebrews chapter 11 at those lives that are mentioned there and conclude that their journey held nothing to be envious over and conclude that a successful life is acquiring wealth. A child of God holds a successful life to be one in which we walk in obedience and reverential fear of God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, before Brother Hilly gets after me here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What did Job say there in Job uh, 28, 28? Talking about favorite chapters, that's, I didn't put that in my little thing there, but that's one of mine. Job 28, 28, or uh, Job 28, and 28 says, well, verse 20 says, but where shall wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? He says, under the man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. That is wisdom. 
and to depart from evil is understanding. Falling upon the mercies of God, we're justified by faith. So there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so our life is one that seeks the Spirit's guidance to live. We are acquainted with Romans 8.28. That's not a guarantee for a bed of roses life. That does not mean that all events in our life will be good experiences. I think the Amplified Bible sets that verse forward very good. Romans 8.28. All things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and call according to His purpose. So many today have failed in a, a continual losing of our life for Christ's sake as believers. David's love for Bathsheba reveals his life lacked in pure, putting the Lord first. He should have engaged in base a battle instead of going out to war. Uh, he tarried at Jerusalem. Then he looked upon Bathsheba who was bathing. Then he married her. A woman of questionable character. We love that story. She had a questionable character. It's proven by the fact that she was bathing where she could be seen from hilly Jerusalem. If you were on the housetop, a rooftop, and looking down, which David was, you could see her. That has something to say about her character. Also, the fact that she came so willingly after Uriah had been killed. He didn't summon her by kingly command. But simply told his soldiers go bring her to me. The word means to fetch. It wasn't a command. She wasn't ordered. He asked and she came. Plain old carnal lust formed the marriage. And what did the Lord do? He slew the child in judgment upon their terrible sin. 2 Samuel 2.15 but let me close with this thing. But one glaring sin need not ruin our life as God's people. We sin so often, sometimes it becomes mechanical. God is a merciful God, and He will forgive the repentant believer and the repentant wanderer. Read Psalm 51. That's David's Amen. repentance. Let me close with a few verses setting forth the way to a spiritual life. No, I think I'll save that for next week. So we'll close there. Doesn't pass past my time. God bless his word.